0: I knew you guys would be excited. <laughs> Listen, I feel like God is just on the move this morning. I could not shake just this sense of like God is is transforming us. I don't know. I just, I've been feeling it all week. You know, this obviously in Planning Center for the last few weeks, it said that Lyle was going to be preaching, hence the video announcements. But this last week we were both like, hey, like, I feel like. God's on you for the week, and so he was like, I want you to preach, and I must say there's just something that's new that's stirring in me. I told Lyle this morning, I used to be a prophetic dreamer, like I would just encounter the presence of God in my dreams uh, very regularly, and probably for the last four years, um, my prophetic dreaming has kind of stopped um, which has been very uncomfortable for me because that's how I was so used to hearing the voice of God. How many of you, like God kind of switches directions on you? Like he shows you a new way. And I've been getting to know how to hear God in a different way over the last season. But over the last four days, like the prophetic dreams have come rushing back. And I told Lyle, I was like, I don't know. I hope it stays, you know, but I'm just... I don't know. There's something stirring, and it's funny because Brian was on the video announcements today, and I tagged him in something this morning because I had this dream uh, early this morning, and you guys are going to think this is really funny, Um, but have any of you guys been familiar with Kanye West's Sunday services that he's been hosting? Come on, Jesus, to Hollywood And uh, it's one of the most creative expressions of like Jesus I ever have seen in my entire life. And I had this dream that our Sunday service was like Kanye West Sunday service and Brian Nira. In all his glory. He wasn't even on worship team. He was, the worship team was leading. He was standing right here where you are. Jesse was like up on, looking in the crowd and he had his foot on the top of the chair and he was like, and you sing now and you sing now and you sing now and it was just like this, I don't know, like this activation of faith and I feel like God is coming in a fresh way in our family of just an activation of faith and I don't know if I'm just feeling sassy because I got bangs this week or what, but Lyle said I look like a spy. <laughs> Why does every spy have to have bangs? We give too much away with our eyebrows, I guess, ladies. So we got to, you know, Michelle, we give too much away with our eyebrows. We got to cover those up. I don't know, but I, I feel God stirring. And I don't know if you guys saw a couple of weeks ago, but um, we posted this testimony on um, our on our Instagram. Um, It was Todd Mendez. He was sharing this story about how he'd gone out on his lunch break and just prayed over this guy and he got just rocked in the presence. And for some reason, that testimony is just still stirring in me. And I feel like God's saying this is a season of activation. God's going to activate our family like he never has before and in the ways that you've been wanting God to stir you uh, for more, not just for God to do things for you, but for God to do things through you. And I've just been feeling this sense, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I'm in some ways wrapping up uh, this conversation that we've been having for the last few weeks on harvest, but it's because I had this thing inside of me. It's time to be activated. It's not good enough for us to say, God, do something for me, do something to me. We have to be a family that says, God, do something through me, and I'm not going to let you go until you do something great through my life. And that's the kind of people that I feel called to raise up. And since you're in my church, then buckle up. It's time to go. But yeah, I just feel like God is growing us. He's transforming us. And so as we jump in this morning, I just want us to acknowledge the presence of the living God in this place. So if you could with me, I don't care if you want to stand, lay, kneel, but I feel it's very important that we acknowledge that God is in this place this morning. Jesus, your presence is real. You are real. You are good. You are faithful. You are transforming us. God, it's not good enough for us to say, just do something to entertain us, but God, transform us with your power and with your love. God, we submit to you. We surrender to you. We give you our lives again Jesus you're worthy you're holy your life in exchange for our life there's nothing better God so we give you our everything this morning God you're here and if you've never felt the presence of God, just know that there are people in the room that are believing that God's going to encounter you today, that he's going to meet you, that he's going to transform your life, and he's going to tell you everything you need to know about yourself in him. So God, we invite your presence to increase. Holy Spirit, do it only you can do. Bring your word, bring your life. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen. All right, awesome. We're going to jump into uh, the scripture this morning. You're good. I told him he could go off at a different point, but that if I wanted it sooner or later, I'd just tell him so. Thank you. So we're kind of starting... where we're ending where we started. Um, I think this is a passage of scripture that Lyle read um, at the very beginning of this uh, conversation, this series, and it's John 4, 31 through 38. So it's going to be on the screen behind me, but open your Bible too, please. Um, I feel like this story is so much deeper than we even can recognize. Uh, Where we jump in is just after Jesus has encountered the woman at the well, which is one of my favorite stories in all of the New Testament. Um, It's just, if we were in that time Reading that story would be so offensive because Jesus was never supposed to encounter that woman. He was never supposed to talk to her. He was never supposed to reach for her. She was on the fringes of society, uh, she was, you know, in sin. And yet he just went after her because he's like, no, one encounter with me is going to transform your life. It's not just me encountering you that matters. It's what happens through you that really matters. And he saw something great in her and said, hey, even you, even you can be transformed with one encounter with me, with my goodness, with who I am. And obviously at the end, she sees her whole city saved because in a moment she's transformed and she goes and she does for the city, the very thing that Jesus had done for her her so we're jumping in in verse 31 and this is after it says meanwhile his disciples urged him rabbi eat something but he said something mystical to them which is seems about right he says I have food to eat that you know nothing about and then his disciples said to each other could someone have brought him food that's like me I'd be like what Jesus Jesus says my food is to do the will of him who sent me Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Listen, God has created an eternal harvest field, and I'm grateful for our ability to reap where we may not have sown. And God has designed the kingdom to be full of moments uh, where we reap because of the grace of God. And that's this story. This story is Jesus alluding to, you know, referencing this woman, right? So you're actually, he's saying, they don't know it at the time because we see the bigger picture, right? He's saying... You're reaping. You're gonna reap in harvest fields you never sowed in. Like this woman has had no education, well, very little education in regards to uh, the Bible, spirituality, who I am. She knows a little bit. She, she references that in the story, but I was never meant to come for her, although I was in the form that I'm in. And I'll referenced that some last week, so listen to that podcast. That's next week, but you know, there are going to be situations that I just do divine things. And you're just going to reap in areas that you weren't supposed to sow. You're going to be like in full-time business. And then you're going to come into the church and you're going to get prophetic words. And you're going to, you know, reap a harvest that you didn't sow for, right? That's like, you know, the staff, we're like here, we're shepherding. And then vice versa, right? Like you're going to buy a house and it's going to skyrocket in value. And you're going to start in real estate, but you're in full-time ministry, right? Like there are certain things that you get to reap because of the grace of God in your life. Areas that you don't sow, God makes a way for you to reap. And I love that about the kingdom of God. But sometimes I look around at my community, this community, the city, and I see people occupying fields that they should have moved on from a long time ago. And I'm like, that's not your field. It's not your field anymore. And so that's kind of the topic I want to talk about today. My title is uh, That's Not Your Field. It's not your field. God has designed each of us to do something unique and special as a part of the kingdom. Listen, my little sister is an administrative genius, okay? If you meet her, she's like five foot nothing. She's like a boss. And she's literally teaching a class. She uh, runs uh, admin for all of second year at school ministry at BSSM, uh, the school ministry that she and I attended And uh, she's teaching a class this year. And I I think it's called like uh, sustaining revival. That's what it's called. And it's literally all about how to administrate a move of God. (laughs) What? Listen, she and I are polar opposites. What she has to give to the kingdom is special. It is unique, but it's necessary, right? And when she's playing her part, the whole thing sounds good, right? The whole thing feels good. And, you know, like I never probably, oh, also, yes, paper, do you see this? I'm old school today, yes. Um, Not really my intention, but thank God for a printer. But, uh, you know, when it comes to administration, that's not necessarily my biggest strong suit. But I have to know that if she tried to play my part and I tried to play her part, it would just, it wouldn't work, right? Right. But there are certain things that I get from just watching her and learning from her that I actually grow in just by being around her. But I don't have to be her in order to see my harvest come to fruition, right? I love like probably at the beginning of the year, we explored the differences between kings and priests. That's another uh, series that you've got to listen to if you haven't. Um, and basically how in tandem they can build the kingdom and change the world. And God is not looking for anointed bench warmers, right? We talk about that here at Legacy. Like, if you're here for more than five minutes, we're like, get in the game for God. Like, we're not just satisfied being entertained by God because, listen, he's the most entertaining being in all of the universe. But we're not satisfied just by beholding him. We want to get involved with what he's doing. We want to be in relationship with him. So God's not looking for us to just warm the bench. He's not like, hey, you got saved good, you know, he's like, hey, like the woman at the well, hey, you met me, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? He wants us to engage culture and engage uh, the will of God over our life that is special and that is unique. And he's looking at you, asking you, like, how do you get involved with me in this season? Like, I want to see you activated. I want to see you transformed. And to be a healthy follower of Jesus, you must understand the nature of of contributing and not just consuming. There are seasons in our growth process where to consume is appropriate. Every single one of us are somewhere in our growth process where consuming is necessary. And consuming meaning reaping where we don't sow. It's necessary because God in His grace lays foundation and framework for us to grow. And so in some area, in my in I'm trying to think of a certain area of my life where I'm like consuming some some of it's just parenting, right? Like I'm a pretty new parent. I don't, I'm not gonna be the best person to give you parenting advice. I've only been a parent for about four and a half years. And so I'm doing a lot of consuming right now from the standpoint of like we live with our, my parents or my parents live with us. And I ask a lot of questions because I'm looking to grow in that area of my life. I'm looking to actually reap fruit from my parents in a way like, hey, they worked for that thing, but I'd love to see that fruit in my life. Can you please give me the benefit of everything that you know? That is appropriate. Okay. There's going to be seasons of life where you're consuming and that is healthy and that is good. But there comes a time where consuming alone actually destroys the ability to change the world and transform history. If we consume all the seed, what is there for the next generation? God has called us to be contributors and not just consumers of harvest. And I have a question for you today, which is where are you consuming alone, but expecting a harvest? Listen, I know that culture screams at us to live for ourselves, but we find none of that in the life of Jesus. Matthew 20, 28 says this, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Jesus, we find a humble servant ready to lay down his life. So that humanity could be activated and reconnected to the one true God. So why in the world are we as believers living uninspiring, uninspired lives with the one true God, right? Like he came laying his life down as a ransom for many so that we could be in connection with God, the the most beautiful, gracious being in all of the universe. And and as believers, like people are repelled by us. (laughs) Maybe not you, but just me sometimes. I'm a pastor. Lyle and I always joke, like we're sitting on planes. People are like, oh, what do you do? They think we're artists or something or spies or whatever. But <laughs> we're like, oh, what do you do? <laughs> because we're like, if we the moment we tell you that we're a pastor, you're going to either unload all of your church hurt on us, or you're going to see us as all of your church hurt, and you're not going to want to talk to us anymore on the flight, or you're going to tell us every reason why, you know, we as Christians are doing this thing wrong. Sometimes we encounter people that are like, oh, like, you know, they're they're in love with God and we just get to have these life-giving connections and conversations, but more often than not, we're engaging with people who are absolutely uninspired by the lives that we live as believers. And that's a problem, right? Because in this story, you know, Jesus has just encountered this woman and a whole city gets saved, And that's the kind of life that I want to live. And I know that's the kind of life that we want to live as a community here, that we would actually be active participants in God's plan to redeem all of creation unto Himself. And to do that, we actually have to be a people worth following and worth leaning into. And there's a right, there's tension in this, right? That you could have love with no truth and it's no love at all. Or you can have all truth and like, hey, this is like, this is how it goes with no love and it's completely unattractive. And so that's what I love about being in relationship with the person of Jesus because as you build a relationship with him, you, fi- you find the ability to ride in the tension of two different ways of being, right? And they work so well together, but we just so often are satisfied in our mundane, consuming lives, that we forget that our lives are supposed to count for way more than that. Way more than just, hey, like, I, you know, I'm here to buy the next thing or, you know, reap the next harvest. It's, I love what you shared, Bliss, because I think that's so true and so right on. So often we position our hearts saying, God, like, what can you do for me? And we forget that it's just the joy of being in connection with Him that's the best thing of all. And that as we fall in love with the person of Jesus, all of our lives become active in Him. And we actually begin reaping a harvest that we were meant to reap, not the harvest our parents sowed that we get to be beneficiaries of, whether spiritual or natural. But, you know, I see so often young people. And because that's my age range, like it's easy for me to speak to that. Reaping in fields where they didn't sow. And that's beautiful. But I also see them staying in fields that they never sowed in, confused as to why they're not walking their identity. And they're like, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm just bored with God. And that's where I'm like, that's not your field. Like, you're living inside of somebody else's breakthrough and you're bored because you've never had to sow anything and you've never put your hand to the plow and actually engaged your purpose. And no wonder you're bored with God. Like, you know, because he's, he's like in a field over here. Like, look at this promised land, like flowing with milk and honey. And you're satisfied over here, consuming off of somebody else's edges, you know, after over on somebody else's field. And you know, when I went to Bethel, like I had the greatest experience of my life. I met friends that are lifelong friends, and I learned principles for my life that absolutely transformed me. And we when I moved there in 2010, I was like, oh, I have favor in this environment. I like having breakthrough. I would go on treasure hunts. Anybody ever been on a treasure hunt? Yes, it's so stretching. But in that environment, I was like, this is easy. For those of you who don't know what a treasure hunt is, basically, it's like a weird Christian thing that we do where we like go out in public and we're like, do you know Jesus? Like, you know, and get like a prophetic word. And sometimes I would get words of knowledge for people. I'm like, oh, is your sister's name Terry? They're like, yes. Like, oh my gosh. I'm like, well, God just wants, you know, that like he loves you. And in that environment, it just felt easy. It felt effortless. It felt seamless. And I was like, I'm really, I'm really doing this thing. I had like, you know, three hours in my prayer closet every day. I literally turned my closet into my prayer closet and I had this like old tiny uh, iPod that I set up on speakers in the corner of my closet and I would just listen to like old IHOP for like three hours a day. And I was like, ah, oh, this is life. I'm really doing this thing. This is amazing. And when Lyle and I met, I was still living in Reading and he had already planted uh, Iris Nashville, which is what, you know, this began as it's turned into Legacy Nashville over the years. And he was like, you, you know, you can stay in Redding, but I've got to be here because this is like, I feel called to this thing. And Eventually, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be in writing anymore. I think I got this thing. I think I got it together. I think it's time for me to go and to, like, you know, actually be activated into uh, ministry. And how old was I? I was like 22, 23. I was like, a full time ministry, you know, lead pastor of a church plant. I've got this together. And would you believe that I was shocked to know that I did not have all the fruit I thought I had? <laughs> The first time somebody got upset with us about, you know, changing, you know, moving from a house to a building, you know, that caused a lot of, that caused a lot of chaos. I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not cut out for this thing. I'm not cut out for this thing. Everybody's mean. Like, this is insane. I was like, I'm just, I don't know. While you just do this thing. And for a year, I mean, he can probably remember this time. For a year, I stayed in our like tiny apartment to myself for a year trying to figure out, God, why the heck did you call me here? I'm not cut out for this thing. I do not have the fruit that I thought I had. And the Lord so kindly in that season reminded me, hey, the fruit you thought you had was someone else's fruit. You're going to have to cultivate your own fruit here. You're going to have to grow up a little bit. You're going to have to grow deep a little bit. You're going to have to sow a little bit more. It's going to hurt a whole lot more, but you're going to get a harvest that's actually one that you sowed for, one that you gave your life for. And you're going to see that in years to come. And, you know, standing up here today, this is part of the harvest field, right? This is the beginning of the harvest field. God, look what you're doing in our city. Look what you're doing through this family and this community that took me recognizing that I had been occupying somebody else's field. And I had had a dream, a prophetic dream around that time when I moved back home and it made no sense to me at the time. And in the dream was um, this person who was like super unhealthy, like physically unhealthy. And they had come to my church and in the dream it was a tent representative of my church and basically what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me is this is what happens when you consume too long and you don't do any sewing and it was people that had tons of favor it was a a person in the dream that had tons of favor in the environment that I had been in previous and they were they were sedentary immobile bored, lethargic, apathetic. And the Lord is like, this is what happens when you consume too much and you do no sowing and you do no giving. And some of you in this room are bored with God because you're in the field of someone else. Like you're not even in your right field. Like you're giving your life thinking that the fruit of your life is because of you. But the reality is so many of us live our lives eating off of somebody else's harvest field. And my challenge to us this morning is get in your field, like find your field. If there's anything that you can do well for yourself in this series, in this season of conversation about harvest, it's find your field. God, where have you called me to sow? Yes, there are going to be places that I consume and there are going to be places where I get filled up, but it's unto the mission of pouring myself out, laying my life down as a ransom for many. Jesus's mission statement's good enough for us, right? Laying our lives down as a ransom for many. And it's time to get honest about where you are reaping. Have you tapped into the fruit of someone else's field? How mature do you think you are in God? God. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself that question? How how mature am I actually in God? If you're not praying, you're not as mature as you think you are. If you're not reading the Bible, you're not as mature as you think you are. If If you don't have a lifestyle of fasting, you're not as mature as you think that you are. If you have fruit in your life and you're doing none of those things, you're eating off of somebody else's fruit. You're living life in the shade of somebody else's harvest field. And that's beautiful for a time and for a season, but it's not where you are meant to stay. And some of you are confused. Like I'm bored. I have all this fruit in my life. I'm bored. I have six figures. I'm bored. I, you know, have 13 children. I'm bored, you know, like I'm bored in God. But the reality is like, (laughs) no, but it's true. There's some women that are like agonizing. They're like on their knees in prayer. And you're living like you have this great harvest field, but you're bored in God because you haven't spent time actually developing your own harvest field. It happens often. I have a lot of friends who are former ministry school students and they fall away from God. And I'm like, you're just, you didn't find your field. You didn't recognize that the fruit that you were living in wasn't yours. And that's my, that's actually a fear of mine a genuine fear that we would create an environment that has such great fruit that no one's ever challenged to actually go after their own. That we would, and I love a comfy environment. Listen, Bethel's one of my favorite places to go, but now I'm mature enough to know that when I step into that environment, Bill paid for this one nine times out of 10 or Chris paid for this one. Or, you know, when I go to like, we want to visit upper room uh, in the next little bit. We love what they're doing there. And I'm like, if I step into that environment and think for a moment, like if I'm not, if, you know, all of a sudden I have all these prophetic words and I have this words of knowledge and like, man, like, you know, there's some things that those people paid for that I get to live in and I get to have the benefit of, but that's not because I did it myself And I just, I have this thing stirring in my heart. We have to be an activated church family that's so passionate about laying our lives down as a ransom for many, but we can't get there if we're bored because we're eating on somebody else's bounty. So here's what I've learned that If you don't know where you are in your growth process with God, you'll end up thinking you're further along in life than you actually are because you're living off of someone else's harvest field. Or you will live frustrated and dissatisfied because of the lack of sowing, which will leave you feeling dry and disconnected from God. If you feel dry and disconnected, ask yourself that question, am I in the right field? So I'm going to quickly go through uh, what I feel like are the levels of growth and maturity in the season of learning how to harvest. And the first level I'm going to start with is the consumer. And we talked about that. Consuming is totally fine. And in Leviticus 23 verse 22, it says this, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord, your God. Listen, that is healthy. It, it's okay to get in this environment and Lyle to stir you to a place of like, oh, I feel full. I walk out of this place feeling like God did something special in my life. Like that's okay. That's the edges of his field that you are allowed to consume. If somebody in our on our leadership team empowers you to like grow and champions you and you're like, oh, I just feel so seen and I feel full and I feel charged for what God's gonna do in my life. That's good. That's necessary. That's leadership. That's what it's good. It's good to be under somebody who is discipling you in such a way that you feel full when you walk away from them, right? That's good. That's biblical and that's healthy. That's the position of sons and daughters. That is the definition of grace, that we get to reap the edges of the field of God, that we didn't sow for salvation. He just gave it to us as a free gift, right? That is the, that is the gospel message. And if you're here for the first time and you don't know Jesus, consuming is just fine learn that God gave his life for you that he wants you to consume all of his goodness that he wants to meet you exactly where you are and to be a son and a daughter is to start understanding that hey God did something for me that I couldn't do for myself that's beautiful and to stay in a healthy place of consuming you have to embrace the practice of gratitude be grateful it's not your fruit Thank you, Jesus, that I get to be in a church community that stirs me to more. Thank you that whenever I come in here, despite how dry my week may have been, I feel the presence of God here. Thank you, God, for the fruit that you're sowing in my life through the people who are pouring into me. God, I love what you're doing in my life. Gratitude is what allows you to live healthily in the place of reaping where you did not sow. The second is this. The second level is the challenger listen, I talk about this often. I am a nine on the Enneagram with a one wing that is nearly allergic to eights on the Enneagram, the challenger. But here's what I've learned in doing close relationship with people who are great at challenging what, what is to see what's best is that they are so poised for expansion challenging what is, is absolutely fine. In fact, Jesus uh, was the best challenger of them all, right? Taking what, what we thought was the best and just completely turning it upside down and saying, hey, you have a perspective, let me give you an upgrade. And he was so good at that. And sometimes like we get out of whack and we think that Jesus just challenged for the sake of like ruining the system. That's ridiculous, no. He'd never just challenged to push on a system that was healthy. (laughs) He challenged things that actually kept us in disconnected from him. Right. And in a healthy way, challenge is the invitation to your own field. Because sometimes when you get bored in one field, you're like, you're looking out and you're like, I think there's more for me than this. I think that I could see something over there. Like this isn't big enough for me and this person and all these people that are feeding off the edges here. Like I think I think I need something bigger. I think I need something more. I think I need to grow. And that is healthy. And in fact, if you're in that place of like, I feel like that need to like push on like, you know, life and actually go after something. And some people are like, oh, like be careful. I get it, right? But you might be in good company because Jesus was so good at that. And before he was crucified, Lau had this great statement last week at church, which was, Have you borne all the fruit in the form that you're in? And that's a good question. And that's the question of a challenger. Have I done all that I can in the form that I'm in? And Jesus was a healthy challenger. And so he pushed on things for expansion's sake, not to destroy things. And in Converse, we see in the Old Testament, the story of, and the New Testament's reference, the prodigal son, that's the challenger without it's like, I see that there's more for me and I just want to cut everything that I've had and I want to go the opposite direction. That's not healthy. It's not healthy to cut off everything that's poured into you up until this time and go the opposite direction. That's not healthy. It's, it's to say, hey, I actually see that there's more for me here. I am I actually appreciate all the fruit that got poured into my life over the last 10 years, but there's a different field for me and I need to expand my tent pegs. And we don't want to be the prodigal son that, that just throws away everything that's been given to us and like think that that's healthy and that's going to give us the harvest that we're looking for. We want to be like Jesus that says, hey, there's more for you. There's more for me. And that's tough. It's tough to be a challenger because you have to constantly be on guard from judging the places that have fed you in the past. You can't judge them. You can't lay judgment on the places that have fed you previously because they got you where you are now. And it's prepping you for what's next. The third level of this uh, is this. Um, It's the co-laborer. This is where you're moving from challenging to actually sowing your own seed. It's not a seed unless it hurts a little. That's how you know you're co-laboring when you're like, God, I didn't really want to sew this part of me, but here you go. And this is what it looks like to step into fathering and mothering. It's, hey, I'm going to partner with everything that's happened for me in the past. I'm going to use it to make something great for the future and for the people that come behind me. And so often we We lose sight and we lose ourselves in this season of co-laboring. I've learned that as a parent. This is the easiest season for me to lose sight of myself in. I'm moving into parenting and actually raising, you know, they're not infants anymore. I like have to discipline them because I want them to be great people. And, you know, this is the part where I, I easily can lose myself. But God didn't call you to lose yourself in the midst of sowing for what's next. He like wants you to stand firm on who you are and understand through humility who he's made you to be, not shrink back and let other people take you know, credit for what you've been building. It's just being willing to say, God, I'm laying my life down as a ransom for many and I'm sowing myself. And I love the word co-labor because I I read this quote uh, this week that just made me giggle. It was a Christine Kane quote that, you know, God called us to be co-laborers, not (laughs) co-stars. She's so good. And it's so true. When you sow and nobody sees, it's still seed and it's still going to produce a harvest. Just because nobody liked it on Instagram or just because your parents didn't acknowledge that you gave all that time to that thing that you know that God called you to do, doesn't mean that it wasn't sown rightly. And so often we lose ourselves and we get like, we kind of get thrown off in this season. Like, is this really going to bear fruit? Is this thing really going to bear fruit? Like this is a season where you're like sowing seed mostly and you see like one green leaf like pop out of the ground. And I've seen so many people abort mission in this season because it hurts so much and you see so little. You see so little fruit. You know, you're like, like I gave my whole life for this thing and all I see is like two leaves popping out of the ground. People are like, I'm just gonna go back to consuming at this field because I don't know what else to do. This doesn't sustain me. This isn't gonna bear fruit. And if you're in that season where you're like, I've given everything, I've sown my whole life, I'm not seeing any fruit, just keep sowing. Just keep waiting. Just be patient because God's gonna bear fruit in your life and it's not just gonna be for you, it's gonna be fruit through you for other people and that's where we get to move into my favorite level of leadership and harvest which is the contributor, which is full on momming and dadding and parenting and grandparenting and coaching. We have a lot of teachers but very few fathers and mothers And it's because of this, because we abort mission at Co-Labor. And we're like, oh, like, this is too hard. Like, I'm not seeing any fruit. They're not giving me the microphone. They're not acknowledging my anointing. They're not, you know, letting me have this raise at my job. I've been working so hard for so many years. And I'm like, oh, I see people just jump ship. And not jump ship from the standpoint of, like, leave the faith. But they just do, they, they either go back to an old field or they try to create one that was never meant for them. but this is where the sweet stuff happens. It's not even when you're getting to consume, it's when you're watching other people consume what you worked for. That's real joy. That's real life. That's real harvest. That's when you really know that you found your field. When you find joy seeing other people live their destiny under the shade of what you've built. That is the real joy of following Jesus. And that's what Jesus found joy in, right? He laid his life down. He's like, this This is it, you know, like I'm giving my life. I've borne all the fruit that I can in the form that I'm in. I've laid my life down now. The door is wide open for everyone to feast on me. And we did that today in communion. And that's what it's all about, that we could all come around the table to feast on the fruit that is Jesus Christ. And he wouldn't have gotten there if he had just aborted mission in, you know, blood, sweat, tears in the garden of Gethsemane. That probably felt like, who sees me? Who knows me? God, like I'm about to give everything and all I can see is two leaves popping out of the ground. My best friend betrayed me. I laid everything down. I'm so discouraged. I'm so stressed. Have you ever sweat blood? That's the kind of level of stress that most people don't survive. You know, like that's a level of like, that's a level of anxiety, like, that people don't survive because they're just under so much pressure your heart will give out. I mean, like, I don't, I don't even understand, like, the fact that he was able to endure to death, that he didn't die before he died. <laughs> Some of you feel like you're about to die, but don't die yet, you know? Wait until you're in the place of your, your field, and he will pour and press out the life that he wants to through you. And so today I'm like, my, my spirit is just buzzing because I'm like, where's your field? Where's your field? Are you, do you think you're further along than you actually are? Do you think that sowing everything has yielded you nothing? Are you tempted to turn around and go back to Egypt? Are you tempted to lay it all down and just abort mission and go back where the there was milk and honey? Because if that's you today, like I cannot I cannot impress upon you enough keep sowing. Keep going, keep laying your life down, keep abandoning all in front of Jesus. Keep keep going because when you keep sowing and when you keep going and when you find your field it, there's no joy like that and it's okay to harvest on somebody else's field but it just doesn't bring you joy or satisfaction like getting to lay your life down for a ran- as a ransom for many it's like I, I see I see when leaders do it and I see when they lay their life down and there's like something so inspiring about it that's why I love Mama Heidi you guys don't know who Heidi Baker is, she's a missionary in Mozambique, Africa. And one of the most inspiring things to watch is her love on an orphan. There's nothing more beautiful than her in a mud hut laid out on the ground, just in the presence of God. But like, I don't want to watch her do that. I want to, I want to do that. I want to be the kind of person that lays my life down so that Other people can enjoy the shade of my life and my fruit. That my kids can grow up knowing Jesus because I gave my life as a ransom for many. That they can inherit more than I ever had because I don't care about what happens to me or for me. I care more about what happens through me for other people. And so I want us to pray and I want us to press in this morning. Let's go ahead and stand as I'm closing because we're going to worship. And you're going to find your field this morning. And you're going to ask God the hard questions that you've been avoiding. Like, God, where am I at? For real, for real. Am I where I think I am? Or could I go a little deeper? Could I grow a little bit more? Could I lay myself down more often? Because in Jesus, we find the fruit that sustains our life. In Jesus, his life laid down for us, we find the grace to sustain in seasons of our sowing. The reason why you get to reap where he sowed is because there's going to be seasons of your life where you sow and all you see out of the ground is two little leaves that doesn't sustain you. And in that season, you've got to be really good about getting to the presence of God Getting face to face with the real Jesus, saying, God, sustain me, sustain me, let your life, your blood, your goodness, your faithfulness sustain me because without you, I have nothing. Without you, I have nothing, Jesus. Without you, I am lost, God. But with you, I have everything that I need and I can keep sowing. I can keep giving. I can keep laying down. I can keep getting on the cross again of my life, God. Do in me what only you can do. And so this morning, if you could with me, let's just lift our hands in this place because we need to know the real Jesus, and we didn't know where He's called us to. And we need to cry out to God to show us where our field is and where we're supposed to give our lives. Our lives are for more. You are not allowed to be a bored Christian. Our lives are for way more than that. Laying our lives down, giving our lives fully away so that other people can know the real Jesus. The way the woman at the well said, he told me everything I ever knew about myself and the whole city was like take us to this man Jesus. Let us be a family. When people encounter us, they're like take me to this man Jesus. Because the Way you live your life the way you give your life for me is so special and so beautiful i just want to know jesus